What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is week two reactions and recap to the college football weekend that was. I am, of course, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And everyone, it is the September 11th edition of the show. Of course, a moment of silence, which we don't do much on this show, but obviously uh, a huge, huge anniversary here. Uh, Yesterday was... My anniversary, six years. My wife still has not left me, so congratulations to me on that for sure. Uh, it's episode 995, so we got five more before we hit the big 1K, and uh, and we are still growing. If you've not already subscribed to the channel, make sure and like the video, and share the show out, tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. We have a lot to discuss today. Uh, jump into the chat. Uh, <laughs> Double O'Neal already jumps in. Bring on the excuses, Power Who. What Power Five? Uh, yeah, there there is no real Power Five at this point. Uh, I will tell you that. Uh, hey, props to Iowa, by the way. Iowa sent me this yesterday. Uh, I'm guessing that they heard me talking about their trash offense all week last week on my multiple platforms. But uh, but they were gracious enough to send me a notebook. and uh, And I have been utilizing that notebook already. So, Props to the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's it. I love it. Uh, let's see. Jamie jumps in. Group of five supremacy. Yeah, there were there were upsets. And I will tell you this. Jason Kirk, of course, part of the shutdown full cast, warned us about this on Twitter. Week two is always like this. And, you know, it's one of those sleepy September Saturdays. Props to Kirk Herbstreet on game day for uh, calling out the Marshall Notre Dame thing. He said, eh, you know, last week. Big game against Ohio State. You're coming home. You should be able to beat Marshall. But that's a team that can score, etc. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. All right. uh, The show is powered by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. And they are where the game begins. Make sure and go and check them out for all of your sports gambling needs, of course. Uh, There was the big UFC fight last night. You could have bet on that over there. You can bet on basically anything. Over at BetUS. 
So make sure and go and check them out. There is a link in the description. If you will click that, it would certainly help me out. So go ahead and click on that thing. But yes, they bring you the show each and every time out. All right, we are almost three minutes in. So let's go ahead and start off with the top five most unlikely wins from yesterday. And I think some of them will surprise you. We'll see. We will see. The top five most unlikely wins based on post-game win expectancy, and this is courtesy of collegefootballdata.com. They are the ones that actually put these statistics together, etc. cetera. Uh, number five most unlikely is actually BYU. 62% post-game win expectancy last night in overtime win over Baylor 26-20. to 20. Uh, It was double overtime, and it was awesome. That's, if you stayed up to watch it, congratulations. You got to see a really exciting football game. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a fun one. Number four here, Georgia Southern, 37% win expectancy after uh, knocking off Nebraska, 45 to 42, first time in Scott Frost's tenure that, and, and we're going to talk about this game, but first time under Scott Frost that he has scored 38 points in a game and lost. So first time for everything. Number three, Alabama, 20% win expectancy at Texas. That is a bananas, 20 to 19. I mean, just nuts. Uh, let's uh, let's toss the chat box on the screen, cause I, I think you guys should be highlighted. There we go. <laughs> Double and nil. I called that. Yeah, I called that game a week ago. Uh, let's see. It looks like Texas is going to do just fine in the SE. Who? Yeah. Uh, probably so. Probably so. Um, all right. So Alabama twenty percent at Texas. You had Eastern Kentucky, a fifty-nine to fifty-seven uh, quadruple overtime winner over Bowling Green. So that's 15% post-game win expectancy there. And then number one, the most unlikely win, UTSA, 7% post-game win expectancy at Army. Now this post-game win expectancy based on the stats that are there, that's the biggest thing. So yeah, it's uh, it's nuts. Matt Weeks jumps in. What exactly does it take for Scott Frost to lose his job? Well, it takes the calendar because his buyout drops uh, from $15 million down to $7.5 million on October 1st. So let him get through the Oklahoma game, and then we'll go from there. Dan Davis jumped in. Yeah, $7.5 million if they wait until October. That's the way it goes. Uh, the most exciting games from the weekend that was number five, Texas Tech in Houston, 33-30. to Red Raiders get the win in double overtime. Number four, BYU and Baylor. That was double overtime, 26-20. to The Cougs get the win. And number three, Oregon State and Fresno State, another late-nighter last night. Oregon State came back and won that one super late, 35-32. to 32. UTSA 41, Army 38 in overtime. And Kansas, this is number one, Kansas 55, West Virginia 42 in overtime. I'm telling you, Neil Brown, you, you might want to be a little worried. You might want to kind of get this thing righted because... I don't think they're going to be real happy up there. Just a guess. Just a guess. All right. Let's actually dive into some games. I am excited. I'm going to try not to spend as long as I did last week because I have a sick household here. My uh, my toddler is coughing and running fever and all kind of mess. And, you know, it, it's rough. It's rough in these Twitter streets. It's rough in these uh, in these family streets. So... Let's actually get into the games, and we will start it off here with Alabama and Texas. And you know what? I am going to zoom this thing up so that you might can see it just a touch better. 
There we go. All right. So, like I said about the post-game win expectancy, let's see. Post-game win expectancy, Texas 80%, Alabama 20%. No, I don't know exactly how accurate that is. Uh, Bill Connolly believed that Alabama's post-game win expectancy was still better than 50%. And, yeah, if you look at it, uh, based on the yards per play, 5.9 to 5.5, based on total yards, et cetera, the turnovers. Um, guys, I like looking at these numbers, it, these two teams were pretty equally matched. But, man, Alabama only had 19 plays against Texas where the ball was snapped more than six seconds on the play clock. Now, that's uh, the guys over at College Football Nerds that talked about this. Uh, apparently, yeah, it, it's by design. O'Brien does this over and over and over again. Bill O'Brien, the offense coordinator, I am so tired of watching this offense that should be an advantage, and and it is, um, but it should be an advantage, and it's not because they try and find a way to, like, they overthink things. It's, for whatever reason, they try and make things more difficult than they should, and, and this is what I will, this is how I will explain it to you. Um, I took a picture last night of the screen Here's uh, here's what Alabama did. In their first three quarters, they had 186 yards, six first downs, and 15 penalties. In the fourth quarter, they had 188 yards, 10 first downs, and zero penalties. Basically, they get down to crunch time, and Nick Saban tells Bill O'Brien, okay, quit it with the pre-snap crap, and just go out and let Bryce and whoever else win the game. Do the quick reads don't do a bunch of motion, don't do a bunch of shifting, and just play college football. This isn't the NFL, and that's the biggest difference that I could find. The Alabama defensive backs, really not great yesterday. Uh, but I will tell you this, if the referees that were in Kinnick Stadium had been in Austin, I think Alabama would have had about three penalties on the whole day. Uh, good gracious. So, oh, yeah, uh, Humphrey uh, jumps in. How about some likes for Gary? Yeah, go ahead and like the video, if you would so kindly. I would certainly appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's... And last year, Alabama averaged eight penalties per game on the road, and they averaged 5.7 at home. And this is the same situation. They, they don't have the same poise at home as they did on the road. It's it's very strange when you look at it. Um, you look at the things that were working for Alabama. There weren't many, but EPA per rush was certainly up there. Now, part of that is mainly because they had a uh, an 80-something yard touchdown run in the first quarter, and that was the only touchdown that they had for a significant amount of time. As far as Texas goes, uh, their side of it, they had multiple opportunities to score, and they had to settle for field goals. And then, of course, everybody remembers at the end of the half, uh, that was just brutal. All right. Uh, the, the What's the kid's name? The kicker was uh, Burt Auburn. Yeah, he had to uh, go out for like a 19-yard field goal and just completely whiffed on it. I mean, just unbelievable. So, yeah, Texas had their opportunities. If you're Steve Sarkeesian and you want to win that game, you have to know that you are going to have to score touchdowns instead of field goals, right? You got one touchdown. You got four field goals. Now, Quinn Ewers going out early, early second quarter, uh, well, middle of second quarter, whatever it was, definitely not ideal. And I will tell you this, I think that kid is a legitimate 
like hardcore talent. Like he is really, really good. He showed better in this game than he did against ULM last week. Now, part of that might have been by design, obviously, but that was that was very impressive to me. Uh, if you look at what he did before that, uh, he was nine of twelve for one hundred thirty-four yards. I mean, he was he was smoking, <laughs> like really, really good. Uh, neither of these teams turned the football over, so that was good. Nice, uh, nice, clean game. But when you look at the scoring drives, that's where it gets to it. Um, yeah, I mean, you had a, a 57-yard drive for Alabama that ends in a field goal. 67-yard drive for Texas ends in a field goal. 81-yard touchdown run. You had a, let's see, one-yard touchdown run from B. John Robinson, six plays, 75 yards. You have, again, short field, but six plays, 24 yards. You kick a 33-yard field goal. Like, it, it's so irritating if you have if you're a Texas fan to know that you had this many opportunities right a 24 yard field goal a 33 yard field goal you attempted like a 19 yard field goal you had a 26 yard field goal at some point you have to score a touchdown if you're going to win the game so is what it is uh Humphrey jumps in and says it was a joke not having the dogs ahead of Bama anyways yeah i mean Georgia uh, didn't exactly blow Samford out yesterday <laughs> so Look, all of these ratings are, are rankings, excuse me, are ridiculous at this point in the season because you have no idea what you're going to get. So everybody thought that Ohio State played a pretty good game against Notre Dame last week, and we see what Notre Dame did. Regardless. All right, moving off of that, let's talk about the upset in College Station. And my goodness, Texas A&M 14, App State 17. Monster. Monster upset. I I was shocked. I will say that. I was completely shocked. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Humphrey, I thought you were going to say, why does he play road games? Now, now, Nick Saban has barely played road games. Like, road shouldn't have anything to do with it, regardless. Um, the App State situation here. And let's, let's go ahead and move over to some of these stats. 305 total yards for App State, 186 for Texas A&M. I don't normally like to look at time of possession, but this one kind of blew me away, so I'm going to have to pull it up. Uh, 41 minutes and 29 seconds time of possession for App State. They only let Texas A&M hold the football for 18 minutes and 17 seconds. I... Jimbo's offense is a problem. Like, they're they're just a problem. Uh, two of eight on third down. They didn't go for it on fourth down. App State was nine of 20 on third down. They were three of five on fourth down. This is a problem. Big time for Texas A&M. You have the players. You have the opportunity. Uh, Haynes King was not great. 13 out of 20, 97 yards. But it wasn't all on him. Uh, you only had two guys that ran the football. Uh, you had Evan Stewart, five catches, 48 yards. You had Anaya Smith, four catches, 21 yards. There was no, there was nothing that was groundbreaking. There was no, and on top of that, I guess the biggest issue, forget the offense. Yes, the offense is a problem. The biggest offense or biggest problem is you couldn't get App State off the field. Like, did the defense just not care? I mean, I know that there's a big game coming up next week, right? Miami comes into Kyle Field, and you know the college game day has to be so irritated 
because there's not a lot of great games next week. What are they going to do? Go to Oklahoma at two loss Nebraska? I mean, I guess at this point you got to go to Penn State Auburn, but like who really wants to go? I mean, if you're a national, regardless, I'm not trying to bash on Auburn. They are two and zero, but it's not like they look like gangbusters against San Jose State last night. So uh, Humphrey jumps in. Styles make fights. Uh, new App State with no D versus the Aggies without offense would be fascinating. Yeah, landslides back in Boone. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Uh, double and nil. I wonder if the SEC's nose is stuck a little lower in the air today. No, probably not. I think most of the SEC is just laughing at Texas A and M. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. You know, you know Tennessee's hyped up right now. Uh, looking at the the post game win expectancy and. All of that. I mean, it's just mind blowing because I didn't think that App would actually be able to pull it off, right? Like you just think at some point Texas A&M is going to wake up, and they never did. Like they never woke up. It was, it was a strange thing to witness. Um, but yeah, you look at the. Ah, I didn't even pull up the uh, the post game stuff. Eighty nine percent post game win expectancy for App State here. Uh, looking at the. The stats where they won total yards, uh, turnovers. Texas A&M did have two turnovers. Uh, 23rd down tries to only eight for Texas A&M. 45% conversion rate on third downs. uh, Fourth down conversions. I mean, three out of five, that's 60%. App State had six scoring opportunities. That's drives inside the 40-yard line. They had 2.83 points per. Well, if you got 2.83 points per on six, as opposed to 3.5 on two, yeah, and then of course the defensive uh, t- or the special teams touchdown that Texas A&M had. So the offense only scored seven points for them. Uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable when you really look at what happened in that ball game. And so I don't know what to make of A&M, but it is it, it, there's some people that ain't real happy with Jimbo Fisher today, and we'll see what they do for the rest of the season. Moving along from there, Marshall twenty six, Notre Dame twenty one. And yeah, I, I'll admit, even after listening to Kirk Herbstreet on College Game Day, I did not expect this. I thought it might be kind of tight. I did not expect this. Uh, post-game win expectancy, Marshall was 98%. Notre Dame had three turnovers in this game. Yards per play, Marshall 5.1 to 4.7. Uh, total yards, 364 to 351. I, both of them identical third down conversion percentage, just a touch over 30%. Uh, Notre Dame had to go for home fourth down four times because they were down at the end of the game. Just insane. They end up switching back over to Drew Pine at the end of the game because Tyler Buckner, of course, had two interceptions. Well, Pine, of course, turned it over once they get down to about the Marshall 22. Uh, not not great. This is not good. Uh, Marcus Freeman, now the first uh, Notre Dame coach to ever start his career 0-3. Not ideal. Now, this is a big, big win for Charles Huff. Let's talk on the good side for Marshall. Uh, they were awesome. Let's uh, let's clear out some of this App State mess. Uh, they looked good. Henry Columbia, 16 out of 21, 145 yards, one touchdown. It appears that him transferring from Texas Tech was a good thing. A very good thing. Uh, Laybourne, the Marshall run, uh, running back, 31 attempts for 163 yards. Like, average 5.3 a clip. Like, this is awesome. 
They are doing awesome things. They have a stacked roster. I didn't think that it was stacked enough to compete with Notre Dame, but apparently I was incorrect on that. So definitely, definitely just a fun game, a fun uh, everything. Because Marshall went in there, it looked like expecting to win. And I would not have expected that from this team. Just absolutely would not have expected it. Uh, Tyler Buckner, 18 out of 32, two interceptions, had 201 yards. Uh, Drew Pine, 3 of 6 uh, for 20 yards with one touchdown and one pick. I, you couldn't run the football. Again, 37 carries, 130 yards against Marshall. I mean, this is just ridiculous. So, I'm not sure how they're going to fix this, but I do wonder how those Notre Dame fans feel about Brian Kelly at this point, right? Uh, it's as much, you know, we're better off. We, you know... There's always the other side where maybe you're not. Maybe you had a guy that knew what he was doing, and things are not things are not great, right? We'll see. I'm sure that they will get things figured out eventually, but uh, they it, it looked like the perfect spot for Marshall, right? You're coming off of a big game against Ohio State. Uh, you got bigger games coming up later. This is just a walk through the park at home early on Saturday, and that's what you get. So. Uh, if you guys have not already, go ahead and check out the Winning Cures Everything web store. We've got new designs, new logos, and whatnot over there, and I'm putting out a new one this week. Uh, so go ahead and help me out. If you like any of this stuff, go ahead and purchase over there. Let's hit uh, one more of these right quick, and then we're going to hit a brief ad, and we'll come back. we got a lot of games to cover, guys. A lot of games to cover. All right, so Tennessee 34 Pitt 27. This one, of course, went to overtime. Keaton Slovis went out at the end of the first half. Undisclosed injury. Uh, Nick uh, Patty was serviceable. Uh, let's see. Let's go on and pull up some stats here. He was 9 out of 20 for 79 yards. Obviously, it was a different ball game when he came in. Uh, Pitt was actually able to run the football. And that's... Tennessee does not have a ton of things that they feel really good about as far as their defense goes. But they felt good about the rushing defense. Well, it, yes, and yes, it was okay, and no, it wasn't, right? You had eight sacks for negative 26 yards, I guess you could say, right? Because it's four quarterback rushes for negative 13 on each. But... um. The running back, 25 carries for 154 yards and one touchdown. I mean, he averaged 6.2 yards per touch on it. That's not great. That's not great. Uh, Tennessee did have a punt blocked. They had two fumbles that they lost. I mean, it was just the sign of a team that maybe wasn't quite ready for this, and yet they found a way to get it done, 34-27. to 27. It, was, it was rather impressive to me. Uh, let's look at some of the, the post-game stats. 5.4 yards per play to only 5 for Pitt. 416 total yards to 415 for Pitt. Uh, the two turnovers, of course, for both teams. Third down tries, Tennessee was better at the conversion rate. Uh, the fourth down tries, Pitt had five of them and converted two of them. So two out of five, 40%. You know. Scoring opportunities. Pitt had more drives inside the opponent 40-yard line, but they only scored 1.86. They couldn't finish the drives. Tennessee, on the other hand, four points per scoring opportunity. They had six of them. Uh, Pitt had the better field position, but overall, you know, once you get into overtime, it was a 
It was a different deal. It was a different deal. I was, I was happy with this game. This this was a fun game. These two teams looked like they were, they were excited to play. Uh, yes, it it put a little damper on the game when Slovis went out. I wonder how different the result would be, but it looked like Tennessee was gaining uh, gaining uh, steam at that point. So, eh, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with these two teams. But I was, I enjoyed that ball game. I really did. I enjoyed that ball game. All right, let's go on and hit ad break number one. We'll be back on the other side with Washington State and Wisconsin. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Easter is just around the corner, and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Miki Couture blanket? Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra-soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there is a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture. And now, back to the show. You guys are awesome. <laughs> we didn't we didn't lose any uh, live viewers while we were doing the ad break, and I, I certainly appreciate that. You guys are awesome. All right, moving along, Washington State 17 and Wisconsin 14. And, guys, uh, no way did I see this coming. I, I don't even think that the, uh, the play-by-play stuff, all the different features and whatnot had any idea what to think of this one because they they couldn't you couldn't pull the play-by-play it was so messed up uh this was you know 17 to 14 washington state at scani i mean just i don't i don't know how to quantify this i don't even know what to do with this wisconsin had more yards per play they had more total yards by nearly 150 yards in the game both teams had three turnovers. Uh, there are people calling for Paul Chris to be fired at this point. <laughs> I'm just completely in shock at what happened here. Uh, but cheers to Washington State on this one for getting this thing done. Uh, you pull up the the CBS uh, stats and whatnot. Now, Watson, uh, Nakia Watson, of course, was a former Wisconsin running back and found a way he scored both of the touchdowns one receiving and one running and he was crying at the end of the game because he was 
just so emotionally overwhelmed because he had spent so much time at Wisconsin. I maybe I I made some predictions in the offseason. I don't know if you guys have seen them. Many Washington State fans, of course, you were willing to, or you you were totally right to be able to blast me today. Still a long season, so don't get too hype. But I I think I had Washington State going five and seven. I believe that I had Wisconsin winning this game in my preseason preview. I was so wrong on this. I, I I thought that they were going to blow. I I picked Wisconsin to win the game by more than the spread, which was 17 and a half. I really didn't think that Washington State could line up with Wisconsin and, and just hold them. I mean, the more surprising part of this is the fact that Washington State only had 53 yards rushing and they were able to hold Wisconsin 14 yards. There were there were weird things in this game. Yeah, we talked about how weird week two is, but there were some strange like interceptions that ended up being fumbles afterwards. Like somebody intercepts the ball, they run with it, they fumble the ball, the other team gets it back. Like it, it happened a couple times. It was it was a weird situation. But at, cheers to Jake Dickert. And for going in and getting this thing done, now he it, I didn't realize this. He was actually born in Wisconsin. Uh, I believe I read that. But this this was surprising. Very surprising. And it looks like Washington State might have gotten the right guy. I mean, just just awesome on their end uh, for doing that. Because they, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, three turnovers on both teams, and they find a way to get the dub. Props to them. Props to them. It was good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Double O'Neill said a lot of teams got exposed. Yeah, Wisconsin certainly got exposed. I mean, that was that was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Moving along, why don't we go ahead and move over to the Cyhawk? If we're going to talk about weird things happening, we might as well bring this one up. Uh, I did call this one on the BetUS College Football Show, which went 5-2 and two last week. Not too shabby. 5-2 and two against the spread. So... Good, good things over there for sure. Uh, let's go on and, and swap it over to the stats on this one, and we'll just go piece by piece. Yards per play, 4 to 2.9. 313 total yards to two, uh, excuse me, to 150. Both teams had three turnovers. Iowa State did have two punts blocked as well. Uh, third down tries, Iowa State had 20 and hit 50% of them. Uh, Iowa had 11 and hit 27% of them. Three scoring opportunities that led to 2.33 points per scoring opportunity for Iowa State. For Iowa, two scoring opportunities, zero points. Neither team had a defensive or special teams touchdown. Now, granted, they did have some that led to that, but regardless. And Iowa's field position, again, their own 30-yard line. It is unbelievable what this offense is capable of not doing. They are so incredibly bad. I just, I can't even begin to explain how putrid this Iowa offense really is. And I talked about it all week. But for whatever reason, uh, Iowa did send me a nice notebook, which I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I got to mention it again, uh, I guess because I talked about how awful uh, their offense really is, and it is Something else. I mean, it's it is so bad. 
Uh, Spencer Petras, 12 out of 26, 92 yards and one interception. Uh, Hunter Deckers, on the other hand, 25 out of 38. They threw the ball 38 times for 184 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Brock, the running back for Iowa State, had 100 yards on 27 carries. I This was a workmanship game. And I, I had a feeling that this year would be the year. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, I mean, they got him the ball 11 catches for 98 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Iowa, their receivers, I explained to everybody how they don't have receivers. Well, yeah, the guy that caught the most passes, the only one that caught more than two was the tight end, Laporta. Uh, 55 yards on eight catches. I mean, it's just unbelievable how bad this offense really is. And props to Iowa State for finally getting this thing done, right? It's been years. Like, Matt Campbell had never beaten Iowa State. Uh, excuse me, had never beaten Iowa. And now, I mean, they get this thing done. They, I'm, I was very happy to see them get that done in the rain, no less. But at the end of it, of course, there were all these crazy shenanigans. They were calling it crazy penalties here and there, uh, especially late, that gave Iowa a chance to tie the ball game and send it to overtime with a field goal, and they missed the field goal, which to me says ball don't lie. But regardless, uh, when you look at, at just everything in this Iowa State, and it's the same thing every year, right? Uh, I said before this game, under Matt Campbell, Iowa State had turned the ball over against Iowa nine times. It led to 33 points for Iowa. Iowa had never turned the football over. And today, you finally got the turnovers. Like, you finally got them. Props to them. Props to them for getting it done. Um, Iowa's offense is so bad. <laughs> they are so bad. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, but regardless, uh, we'll, we'll hop off of this uh, because, I mean, I just, it, there's not much more to say, right? There's not a whole lot of what you, what you can do with this. Uh, Iowa couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. They didn't beat themselves with penalties. But, whew, I mean, it was, it was something to behold. Every time they go out and play, it's something to behold uh, because of how bad that offense really is. Iowa fans, I wish better for you. And that offense, they are wasting Phil Parker. Uh, he is so good on the defensive side of the ball, and that special teams is something else. I mean, they are just lights out. Uh, elite at multiple levels. Actually, two out of the three levels. But offense is so important these days, it's just difficult. Just difficult to, uh, to make something like that work. All right, next on the board, we're moving to Texas Tech and Houston. And you want to talk about a fun game. Texas Tech wins 33-30 to in double overtime. And I was just in love with it. Uh, not because Texas Tech won necessarily. I'm not a fan of either team. But when you look at how excited that fan base is to have a, a potential contender. Yes, it's awesome. Which, by the way, the tweet at the end of the game where Texas Tech has the the crushed Red Bull can. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. All right, looking at the stats here. Um, Post-game win expectancy was 86% for Texas Tech via CFB data. Uh, Houston had more yards per play. Texas Tech had more total yards, which means, of course, that Texas Tech ran way more plays. Like, way more plays. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up. Um, da, 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 da. 
Total plays, 102 total plays for Texas Tech to 68 for Houston. Yeah, that'll get her done. Um, and still, Houston was right there in the ballgame. Both teams had two turnovers. Uh, the third down, uh, third down tries. <laughs> third down tries are ridiculous. Uh, 31% for Houston to only 27% for Texas Tech. Uh, fourth down tries, Houston, you know, 66%. Scoring opportunities, Houston had more, but my gosh, they couldn't do anything with the ball. They couldn't finish drives. Again, uh, didn't do it again last week against UTSA, but uh, 2.6 points per scoring opportunity. That's drives that get inside the opponent's 40-yard line. Texas Tech was able to finish those drives. Houston, one defensive touchdown, and their average field position was starting on their own 42. They had a 17-yard field position advantage and squandered it. Just ridiculous. Uh Let's see, double O'Neill. I had Houston in a close one, but congratulations, Texas Tech. Yeah, I, I had Houston plus three and a half, so I covered that. It was thirty-three thirty, um, but yeah, regardless, this this Houston team is a lot of fun, and the Texas Tech team is a lot of fun. I like what Zach Kitley is doing with the offense here. They are. It, I don't think Donovan Smith is exactly what he wanted, but man, is Donovan Smith fun. There were multiple opportunities that guys just could not uh, hold on to the football or or get the right block in place, et cetera. Donovan Smith is electric, even if he doesn't necessarily fit Zach Kitley's offense, right? Um, that's just a, just a guess there. But it is still, I mean, just something to behold. I mean, you look at the, the total EPA on these teams was, was not great because they ran so many plays and didn't score very many points. Uh, but man, it was a, it was an exciting game to watch them, you know, storm the field at the end of the game. That was so much fun, so much fun. I love what Joey McGuire's doing here. I love what Zach Kitley's doing here. This was this was a great game, and so I was I was excited about it. Uh, we'll move on from there. Da-da-da. I wonder how everybody's doing in the chat. I see Darren Jennings, Stanford coach, has to be on the hot seat. Eh, probably not because you lost to like a top 15 team. I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. We'll see what he does for the rest of the year. Uh, Double O'Neill, yep, solid win. Oh, yeah, talking about the uh, the Tennessee win. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's look back a little bit. You guys talking about uh, ESPN should really stop overrating some of the bigger schools. That'll never happen. That's just media in general. Like, it just is what it is. All right. Moving along from there. Let's see what we got here. Ah, yes. UTSA 41, Army 38, and this one was in overtime. We won't spend a ton of time here. But, look, Army threw the football for 300 yards yesterday. (laughs) I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, Post-game win expectancy was 93% for Army. Army had more yards per play, uh, 5.92 to 5.84. UTSA had more total yards 496 to 462 army had two turnovers that was kind of the difference in the game here uh utsa on third down 73 percent i mean just absurd uh army went forward on fourth down four times they got it three times so this was just constant back and forth utsa got the ball inside the army 40 10 times so that army defense is definitely something that you might want to keep an eye on because Allowing the opponent into your 40-yard line 10 times is brutal, especially when you are an Army offense 
that typically only gives the opponent like eight to nine drives a game, right? And so the fact that UTSA was able to get down there 10 times was pretty brutal. Uh, but yes, both teams at 4.2 points per scoring opportunity and Army, better field position, their own 31. So really no excuses here. But you look at the stats on this and it it blew me away. Let's see. Let's pull up the box score. Ballard, 11 of 15, 221 yards. Uh, Tyler, 1 of 2 for 77 yards passing. I, and they only had 179 yards rushing on 54 carries. What it, it, I feel like, I feel like Jeff Munkin is setting himself up, and I, I realized I did not have the stats actually pulled up in front of you here. Um, those are, of course, the stats if you would like to pause it on your, <laughs> on your YouTube and then looking over at this. I feel like Jeff Munkin is setting this thing up to where, like, I think he got irritated that he is not being looked at for other jobs because they think that he can only run the triple. Now, I wonder, you guys tell me in the comments if you think that that's uh, maybe the situation here. But it seems like he wants to change up what he does on offense. And I don't know that it's necessarily better because to transition away from the triple is incredibly difficult. But I, I think that that's what's going on here. Like, he is obviously flirted around with a few other jobs, Kansas, etc. And it, the triple gets such a bad rap that I think that he is trying to kind of re reshape the way that he looks, the way he is perceived by other people. And it's different. I mean, it's definitely different. So very, very curious what this Army team is going to look like going forward. Uh, you look at the win probability here. I mean, this thing was off the charts. Just back and forth, back and forth. And then, of course, the expected points were pretty crazy as well. But, uh, but yeah, UTSA getting it done. I mean, just just nuts. Just not. <laughs> Holy cell. Uh, yeah, look at Georgia Tech. It's tough. Yeah, it, it, trying to get out of it. Part of that at Georgia Tech might be uh, scheduling. It might be uh, Jeff Collins. Uh he had recruits in there and then they were able to transfer out once they realized that things weren't going to get a lot better rather than just staying there and helping build it. So there's a lot that happened with Georgia Tech, but your your point is well taken. Your point is incredibly well taken. All right, let's uh let's hit one more and then we'll uh we'll grab an ad right quick and I, these ads are short. So just bear with me on this. Um Louisville 20 and UCF 14, this was from the uh, from Friday night. And look, UCF was great at running the football. And they were not good at throwing the football. And they continued to throw the football. This, this drives me nuts when coaches do, like, UCF fans are not exactly enamored with the Gus bus <laughs> right now. But if if you look at this screen here, the EPA per rush, 0.24 for UCF. That's 100th percentile. That is as good as it gets. And when they dropped back, they were in the zero percentile, as in the worst that you could possibly get. Negative 0.55 per drop back. Now, Let's take a look at what they did here. Production. You had 38 passes, 
to 34 rushes for UCF. It's mind-blowing. Why on earth you would continue to not run the football? Like, you have something that is working, and you overthink it to death. That just, I, I, I could not figure out what they were doing on Friday night. Uh, props, let's talk about the team that actually won for a minute. Props to Louisville. Malik Cunningham, 14 out of 29, passing 195 yards. He had 17 rushes for 121 yards. Tyon Evans, of course, the Tennessee transfer, 19 carries for 75 yards and one touchdown. It, Louisville looked like a better team than they did in week one, obviously. But they ain't that much better. And I, part of this feels like UCF just beat themselves because there were opportunities there. And UCF did not take advantage of it. Uh, John Rice, John Reese, John Rice, Plumley, whatever it is. How about this? Plumley, 16 out of 34 passing for 131 yards and one interception. But as far as running the football goes, uh, 37 attempts, 206 yards, two touchdowns. That's 5.6 yards per carry. They they were able to run at a ridiculous rate. Like Plumley, 17 carries, 83 yards. He, he averaged almost five yards carry himself. Like, Bowser was pretty good. Richard, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense as to why they would continue to do what they did. And yet, they did. And they lost. And just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing. There are people that are not exactly thrilled with the Gus Bus down there right now. Uh, but this is what it's like with Gus Malzahn. He's going to run some kooky stuff. And it's going to be nuts. And it's going to be crazy. And you're not going to know exactly what to expect from him. But it'll be weird. It'll be weird. All right. Don't leave. We're coming back to hit on Georgia Southern and Nebraska. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures. And you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. And if you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show, too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right, let's dive into it. I know you guys are sickos and you want to talk about it. Scott Frost. Whew, this is not one that you were wanting to lose heading into Oklahoma week. I will tell you that right now. Uh, 45-42, to Georgia Southern comes down and gets the dub. And I'm just... I'm just as shocked this morning as I was last night as I was watching this game. Because I I just did not expect that, right? Um, Looking at the actual post-game win expectancy, um, Nebraska probably should have won this game based on the overall stats. Now, Georgia Southern did have more yards per play, 7.5 to 7.1. They did have more total yards, uh, 642 to 575. That's a lot of yards, by the way. Like, what Clay Helton has done at Georgia Southern in one offseason is mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. But it does kind of let Nebraska know that, hey, 
you can hire somebody and they can come in and fix this thing pretty quickly. You don't have to stick with the same crap that's losing over and over and over again, which, by the way, another one-score loss for Scott Frost. 13 third-down tries. Both teams hit nearly 70%. They were 9 of 13. Uh, Two fourth-down tries for Georgia Southern. Nebraska did not go for it on fourth down, but Georgia Southern got both of theirs. Eight scoring opportunities for the Eagles there to only seven for Nebraska, but Nebraska had more points per scoring opportunity as far as field position. Georgia Southern had the uh, it, they they had the field position advantage. Their own twenty five to Nebraska's own eighteen. I mean, just nuts. Uh, Darren Jennings Frost might not make it to Monday. No, they're <laughs> they should fire Frost right now. This is from Humphrey. Uh, they should fire Frost right now. So if he upsets us this weekend, it won't save his job. His job ain't saved. You you cannot lose to Georgia Southern and Northwestern and then go beat Oklahoma and find a way to save your job. Like I, Now, I don't know if they fire him at the end of the season or if they fire him on October 1 when that buyout drops, but it, he will be let go this year because this is just inexcusable. And I understand that the defense is bad. We saw it in week zero. We know what's up, and it didn't look great against North Dakota. But I cannot begin to tell you how bad it is that a team that is one year removed from basically running the triple option comes in with a passing game that they just had guys transfer in on. They just found a way in the offseason to flip it. You hired a guy from USC that was disgraced, that was run out of town, and he is now the head coach down in Statesboro, and he's got a quarterback that he brought in from Buffalo and they went 37 out of 56 for 409 yards on you. And on top of that, like forget the passing stuff, the running game for Georgia Southern. 30 carries, 233 yards, five touchdowns. That's 7.8 yards a clip. It is impossible to be this bad. And yet, it continues to get worse. I don't know how they continue to do this. Uh it's not like Nebraska wasn't able to move the football. 575 yards ain't nothing to sneeze at, right? Uh, it's not like Whipple's not doing a, a decent job. You know, Casey Thompson had 318 yards passing, one touchdown, and no picks. Like, Nebraska, I, I they didn't turn the ball over. Georgia Southern turned the ball over and still won the game. If you're a Nebraska fan, you have got to be just mortified at what this football program is at this point. Because I, I can't even begin to explain it here. Uh, and yet, the win probability throughout the ball game, if you look here at, on the left side of your screen, it stayed up almost the entire time until it finally got to the point where the, the computers were like, no, we, hey, they're not going to win the game. we we got to shift this thing at some point. <laughs> EPA per play on both teams was actually really good. It's just, you if you're a big-time football program, you can't be getting into shootouts with schools like Georgia Southern and this is no offense to Georgia Southern just so that you guys don't jump in here and get irritated at me what I'm saying is I don't believe Georgia Southern fans even believed that they were going to go in in week two of year one of Clay Helton and find a way to beat Scott Frost in year five at Nebraska that's what I'm saying I think that's easy enough to put out there uh it's it blows my mind 
It really does blow my mind. And I feel for uh, Nebraska fans uh, because I I think that they deserve better because, I mean, my gosh, you want to talk about loyal fans? That's that's really loyal fans. And this is not, this is not what you deserve. But, alas, here we go. Uh, let's talk about a candidate at Nebraska. Moving along here, we've only got a few more games to hit, uh, and we'll be quick on these. Kentucky, 26, Florida, 16. Didn't see this one coming. Not after the way the week one went. Um, Kentucky, Will Levis was actually pretty decent in this game. I mean, he had a stretch here where he was rolling. Cavazier Smoke, 14 carries for 80 yards. That's 5.7 per clip. But if you look at all of the other mess around it, uh, Kentucky only averaged 1.8 yards per rush. That's it. Uh, Passing the ball, 13 receptions for 202 yards. Not bad. I, I wonder if Mark Stoops would leave Kentucky for Nebraska. Just curious. Just just want to see what's going on. But I, I do know that after an emotional letdown spot for Florida, Kentucky had been building up to this one. They didn't look great against Miami of Ohio. Come out in this game, they don't have as many yards, etc. But they, uh, I mean, they were awesome. They found a way to get it done. Post-game win expectancy, 98% in favor of Kentucky here. 4.4 offensive yards per play to only 4.3. Uh, Florida did have more total yards. Kentucky had less turnovers, so that's definitely something that helps. Uh, third down tries, Kentucky converted at a better rate. They had less third downs, but regardless. Um, they only tried to go for it on fourth once. Florida had to go for it three times. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Holy Sal jumps in. Nah, Stoops is perfect at UK. And, and yeah, totally understand that, but we'll see. That's interesting stuff. Uh, one defensive and special teams touchdown uh, Kentucky did win the field position battle. Started at their own 33 on average. Florida started at their own 27. Uh, but when you look at these numbers, I mean, it was just whew, uh, yards per drop back, pretty good. But EPA per drop back, not great, right? I mean, just just ridiculous. This uh, Florida still has some growing to do, for sure. And Anthony Richardson in this game was not ideal. 14 out of 35 passing, which is not what you want him to do. You want him to be able to run the ball more. Uh, he only had six rushes for four total yards. But 14 out of 35 passing, 143 yards, and two interceptions. Just brutal. That is going to kill you. Um, Humphrey said, Remember when Tim Tebow beat Sam Bradford in the title game? What happened to the major programs of Florida the past 10 years? Voodoo? Uh, no. They, uh, they made wrong hires. I tend to believe that they all have the correct hire in place right now. But it's going to take a little bit to actually build that back up because you make the wrong hire, bad stuff happens. So congrats to Kentucky because Will Levis actually looked like the real deal during this ballgame. I, I was I was a little bit shocked at it because he has not been nearly what he was hyped up to be. And yet, he showed out against Florida on the road, did what he was supposed to do, and uh, and it looked good. It did. Kentucky found a way to get a win. That team is tough. Stoops came out after the ball game and talked about uh, who's tough now, basically. Everybody kind of questioned their toughness. And, and I was one of those. <laughs> I thought that Florida was the bigger, batter team, and I was wrong. I was just wrong. And I will continue to apologize for that. We'll, we'll see what Kentucky looks like the rest of the year, but 
I was uh, I was incorrect on Kentucky for sure. So let's move on. We got two more. Let's do BYU and Baylor. BYU wins this one 26 to 20 in double overtime. Uh this one this one was strange, right? Uh you look at the post game win expectancy here 62% for the Cougars uh yards per play. BYU over almost a yard and a half more. Uh but five offensive yards per play, 366 total yards to only 289 for Baylor. Uh, third down tries, Baylor was 9 of 18, 50% on third down, and still only had 289 total yards. Uh, the fourth down tries, you know, 2-1 to one here. The scoring opportunities was the biggest thing to me. BYU got down there six times. Only scored 3.3 points per scoring opportunity, but, you know, Baylor got seven. Uh, seven points per scoring opportunity on three scoring opportunities. <laughs> just, just ridiculous. Um, Baylor won the field position battle. They started at their own 27, BYU their own 22. You look at the overall stats. Shapin, 18 out of 28 for 137 yards and one touchdown. I thought that they were going to try and get the ball down the field a little bit, and they couldn't get anything done against that BYU defense. I mean, props to BYU... Um, Baylor last year ran for like 300-something yards on them and just bludgeoned them at the line of scrimmage. And BYU didn't allow that to happen either, right? Only 152 yards rushing for Baylor in this spot. Uh, This was... I picked BYU to go 10-2 and in the regular season. I thought they would beat Notre Dame. I thought they would beat uh, Baylor, etc. So this is not exactly uh, out of what I thought was going to happen. But it was still nice to see it done, especially without the two leading wide receivers for uh, for BYU, right? Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney both being out definitely hurt the thought process, but this BYU team, incredibly experienced, really, really good. Baylor, you can tell, is just right there. Just right there. They are so close, but it's going to take a little bit of time and, and expecting that on a, in a late-night road game in week two of the season probably a little bit too far to ask so but cheers to BYU I mean my gosh you look at the you look at the postgame win probability I mean it was right in between them the whole time the whole time uh and I did not update that (laughs) I see that now um yeah game excitement 9.03 here just back and forth back and forth back that's game on paper by the way I'll put all that kind of stuff in the description but, yeah, expected points, all this. Yeah, uh, Baylor and BYU were both awesome. And it was it was a fun, fun watch, for sure. Uh, let's see. Let's jump into... All right, so the last game before we jump into a little Q&A and whatnot that I would like to hit is... <laughs> Oregon State. Oops, excuse me. Another late-night game. Another late-night game that I would really like to... Uh, bring up on the screen if I can get to it. There we go. Okay. Baylor, Baylor, Oregon State. There it is. All right. The beauties of live broadcasting. All right. Oregon State, 35 to 32, late, late game. Points per scoring opportunity for Oregon State, 7 to 3.25. Now, they had less scoring opportunities, but they scored more points in it. Jake Hayner was fantastic in this game, had more yards per play, had more total yards by like 100 
Uh, third down tries. They were better on third down. They did not attempt fourth downs. Uh, this was the prototypical Pac-12 after dark kind of game. This is the one that we ended up getting instead of Mississippi State and Arizona, right? Looking at this, Chance Nolan, 14 out of 27, 219 yards, one touchdown. Oregon State had four rushing touchdowns in this game, which was pretty awesome. Uh, Fresno State had two rushing touchdowns with uh, with Mims, 122 yards there. Uh, Double O'Neal jumps in. Oregon State might actually be pretty good this year, another underrated team. Yes, Jonathan Smith has done a fantastic job at Oregon State. Like, looking at what these guys have done, uh, they were awesome. I mean, look at the red zone efficiency here. Like, you see it moving on the screen there. Four out of four for Oregon State to five out of six for Fresno. You capitalize when you get the opportunity. Bottom line, that's just the way it goes. So, I I don't know. They're good on offense. They're really pretty good on defense. I know that they gave up almost 500 yards total offense to Fresno State, but, I mean, you got Jake Hayner on the other side. Like, he was 30 out of 46 for 360 yards and one touchdown. Like, this was awesome. And so, you know, if you're Oregon State, you're looking to get into Pac-12 play undefeated. Normally, in most years, especially early in the Jonathan Smith era, and, and certainly with the coaches before, at, at best, you can expect one and two, or one and one, when you face off against Boise State and Fresno State. At best, one and one. And instead, now you're going 0-2. Excuse me, 2-0. and Right? In some years, you would have gone 0-2. But regardless. Uh, Oregon State, that's a team to watch out for in the Pac-12. They are a team to watch out for in the North. They look so much fun. They are, they are really, really good. Uh, looking at what they ended up doing, I, I mean, it was just missed field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. To end this ballgame. It was great. <laughs> I thought it was... Thought it was wonderful. Uh, let's see, Double O'Neill. Personally, I think everyone outside of the top ten in the SEC is underrated. Just my opinion. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that totally works out. But regardless, Oregon State and Fresno State both still really good football teams. Oregon State is underrated as far as the Pac-12, etc. goes. I think we can agree on that. So, all right, let's dive off of Oregon State and Fresno State, and. You know, let's dive into... I'll, I'll jump into a few notes real quick before we get out of here. Uh, but you guys have been fantastic. Thank you. Go ahead, like the video again, if you would so kindly. Um, North Carolina 35, Georgia State 28. Uh, exactly what you're going to get from North Carolina. Over and over and over again. They actually found a way to run out the clock this time, as opposed to just going on to scoring. But either way, Arkansas 44, South Carolina 30. Arkansas is a team to look out for. They are serious like very very serious so that's somebody that I would uh mm, I would I would look out for in the SEC for sure they they know how to win tight games they know how to thrive in chaos and that's what that game was because South Carolina certainly brought chaos uh South Carolina is going to be interesting I wonder what they look like against Georgia this week so Arkansas 44 uh excuse me Duke 31 Northwestern 23 uh Call that one on the BetUS show. So, which, by the way, if you've not already, go subscribe to the BetUS College Football Show. There's a link in the description. Um, Northwestern, not as good as what we thought against Nebraska. Duke, with Riley Leonard, looks pretty good. 
And Mike Elko's defense is serious there. So uh, Mississippi State late night, 39-17 to over Arizona. Arizona had multiple opportunities in the red zone and could not get it done. Just couldn't get it done. Darren Jennings said, love Arkansas's coach. Yeah, Sam Pittman is the real deal. Um, Mississippi State, hey, I love Mike Leach too. <laughs> Kansas 55, West Virginia 42. You know I had to mention it because, man, Lance Leipold is doing the thing at Kansas. Starting 2-0 and for the first time in I don't even know how long. I mean, they they went to Morgantown and beat West Virginia, who looked pretty good against Pitt, right? I mean, that, that was just shot. 55 points on the board? Just ridiculous. Uh, USC 41-28 over Stanford. Yeah, the Lincoln-Riley debut in the Pac-12 was successful, so that's certainly good. Uh, Oklahoma State 34, Arizona State 17. I whiffed on this one. There were multiple opportunities for Arizona State that couldn't get it done. That Oklahoma State offense is very much... Uh, it, it's like they they come out firing, and then they chill out for a minute, and then they come out firing again. It's like really kooky, really all over the place. So I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. Uh, and then finally, Wake Forest uh, 45, Vanderbilt 25. Vandy looks competent. And yes, Wake Forest scored 45 points on them. I understand that. But uh, one, Wake Forest, awesome on offense. Vanderbilt's defense has been putrid for a long, long time. At least they're showing at least some levels of competency here. But Vanderbilt's offense uh, was pretty good. Now, this was, let's see, did KU giving Leipold a contract extension this past week due to the rumors linked to Nebraska? Uh, probably. Probably. I don't think that would stop him from leaving. It's just a piece of paper. And it, I don't think it's actually signed. So, regardless. Uh, but yeah, Vanderbilt like actually showing signs of life, actually doing good things. They had to swap out quarterbacks in the middle of that game. But I don't know that that was necessarily... I don't know exactly what happened there, to be completely honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to lie on this show and just tell you, you know, a bunch of random crap for no reason. I don't know what happened there. But the Vanderbilt offense still looks pretty good with both of those quarterbacks. The defense, not great, but they are certainly showing signs of life. I like what Vanderbilt is building, right? I Do I think that they're going to be what Clark Lee said and be the best football program in the country? No. <laughs> I don't know that anybody else does either. But I, I do think that they are showing some signs of life heading into the newest version of the SEC, and that's always a good thing. That is always a good thing. All right. That is going to wrap things up for week two. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate you watching the show, listening, all that good stuff. If you're listening on podcast, we certainly appreciate that as well. But all you guys that joined in for the live show that were in the chat, you guys are great. You guys are wonderful, and I appreciate it. I love spending my Sunday mornings with you. Keep on coming back. We do this every single week. So subscribe to the channel if you would so kindly, and make sure and like this video. That algorithm stuff helps out tremendously. All right. We are going to get out of here. The show brought to you by BetUS. It's America's premier online sports book. They are, in fact, where the game begins. You can find out more, BetUSTV.com, BetUS.com, etc. There's links in the description. Go check that stuff out. And subscribe to the BetUS College Football Show. We're almost to 7,000 over there. We just hit 7,000 on this channel. I want to get to 7,500 on both of them. But you guys are wonderful. So, with that said, let's go on and get out of here. Let's go enjoy the rest of our Sunday mornings before the NFL stuff kicks off. Not that I'm really going to watch a bunch of NFL, but 
you know, there's also opening lines coming out here in a couple hours. So, <laughs> things that I've got to pay attention to. All right. With that said, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets will cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.